0: Good morning, when you hear the word Holy Spirit or maybe when you watch that video some of you might have some ideas preconceived ideas already of what the Holy Spirit is for some of you it may be a really positive thing for some of you you don't really know we don't have a lot of experience with the Holy Spirit. For some of you, you may be thinking like some crazy stuff. Like when I hear Holy Spirit, I think of some crazy things. Uh, Pastor uh, Nate and I, we actually attended the same church, but in two different decades. He was at that church in the 90s when it was crazy and I was at the church when they were talking about when it was crazy and they would talk about like people rolling on the floor and laughing and yelling and the services were long like when the Holy Spirit's moving that means the service has to be about three hours right if any of you man some of you have no idea what I'm talking about I grew up in a church that we didn't talk about the Holy Spirit, we would talk about just the Spirit, and we certainly didn't talk about its role really in our lives or its activity. And so today, no matter what your previous experience is with the Holy Spirit, I want to invite you to just say, I'm going to be open to the Holy Spirit We're going to be teaching the next three weekends are going to be talking about the Holy Spirit. This doesn't mean it's permission to leave or not come if you're uncomfortable with it. I want to invite you to lean in because I believe, I don't know about you, but I want my life to mean something. And I know that I need to have the Holy Spirit active in my life to get all that I'm supposed to get and to do all that I've been called to do. So I'm going to invite you to pray for me and pray for each other that we would just be open to God speaking to us fresh today and be open to what he wants to do through us. Close your eyes and pray with me. Lord, wherever we find ourselves today on this journey with you. I pray that when we hear the word Holy Spirit, it wouldn't make us afraid, it wouldn't make us uncomfortable, but that we would just be open to leaning in and seeking more of you. Be with us, give us a fresh perspective, in Jesus' name, amen. We're going to be in the book of John, and we're going to start out in chapter 14 in the book of John, the last uh, chapter 13, 14, 15, 16, and parts of 17 are what we, what we would say are the last words of Jesus. This was like his final speech to his disciples, his final words. And John, our author, really kind of tells them over and over. So you'll actually see some repeat from 14 and 16. There's a lot of similarities, but we're going to start in verse uh, chapter 14, verse 15. This is Jesus verse 16. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever the spirit of truth. The world let me move that the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. So we can only experience the spirit if we accept and know God, listen to this. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. That is the Holy Spirit. So I'm gonna invite you on this journey with me today. We're starting a new series called Unlocked. And we believe that the Holy Spirit is something that God wants to unlock in you. But what does the Holy Spirit unlock for us? What is its role? What is its function? You're going to be hearing that the next couple of weeks. Like, what does it look like when the Holy Spirit is unlocked in my faith journey? Unlocked in my life? And you'll have to forgive me. When we talk about the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is part of the Trinity, and it is a person. He is a person. So you're going to hear me sometimes call the Holy Spirit it. I don't mean to. The Holy Spirit is not an it. It is a person. As we read about the Holy Spirit, it experiences emotions. The Bible says it can be grieved. The Holy Spirit can be grieved. It instructs us and guides us. But the Holy Spirit is a person and is the presence of Jesus. All right, we're going to be jumping into uh, John now a couple chapters later. chapter 16. And our team chose the CSB translation, which is the Christian Standard Bible. I normally preach out of the NIV, if you have the NIV, it's very similar to the CSB, but we picked this translation because in the Greek, if any of you have ever learned English and it's not your primary language, you'll learn that Uh, English has a lot of words. There are a lot of, there's a huge vocabulary. Greek does not have as many words. So as translators read the original text in Greek, they translate words in different ways. And so we picked the CSB because we liked the choice of the words that the translator used. And I'll spell that out for you a little later. You'll see that if you're reading through in the NIV. So, what's important about this store, where we're at in Jesus' Jesus's journey, is this is towards the end of his life. He is trying to prepare the disciples for what is about to come. In these final chapters in John, he's talking about the persecution that is going to be coming their way. He's talking about the Holy Spirit, which is what we're talking about today. And he's trying to prepare them for something that they don't fully understand. And you'll see that as Jesus says, you don't even understand. Verse five, we're going to jump in. But now I am going away to him, that's God the Father, who sent me. And not one of you asked me, Where are you going? Yet because I have spoken these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. You see, the disciples did not want Jesus to go. When they thought the Messiah was coming to build a new kingdom, they thought they were about to be a part of the new empire, that he was going to overthrow Rome and create this new empire. And so they're like, wait, Jesus, that wasn't part of the plan. The Messiah was supposed to come and build a whole new kingdom, and then we were going to like reign with you, and that was going to be awesome to reign with you. So they're sad. They're like, what do you mean you're going away, Jesus? Verse 7, nevertheless, I am telling you the truth. It is for your benefit, what, that I go away. Because if I don't go away, the counselor, if you're the NIV, it'll say advocate, will not come to you. If I go, I will send him to you. When he, the Holy Spirit, comes, he will convict the world about sin, righteousness, and judgment about sin, because they do not believe in me, about righteousness, because I'm going to the Father and you will no longer see me, and about judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. I still have many things to tell you, but you can't bear them now. This was like bad news enough, Jesus. Yeah, we cannot bear them now. Thank you, Jesus. You're going away. You're sending someone we haven't met yet, but this is what he says in verse 3 to 13. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own. The Holy Spirit does not act outside of the will of God or Jesus. It is all together. For he will not speak on his own, but he will speak whatever he hears. He will also declare to you what is to come. He will glorify me because he will take from what is mine and declare it to you. Everything the Father has is mine. This is why I told you that he takes from what is mine and will declare it to you. You see, Jesus said difficult times are ahead. Persecution is going to come. Some of you are going to face horrible, horrible death. Some of you are going to face jail time. But I am going to send my spirit. to be your counselor and your advocate and your peace in the midst of your trouble. If you are facing trouble today, if you are in a difficult situation, can I say you don't need less of God's spirit in your life. You need more of God's spirit in your life. You need more of the Holy Spirit to come into your life to give you peace and counsel and wisdom and all of these things. You see, the Holy Spirit shows us the better way. He shows us the better way into all truth. See, look at this. This is what's so crazy. Nevertheless, I am telling you the truth. It is for your benefit that I go away. How? How could it be beneficial for Jesus to no longer be physically present on the earth? Well, if I don't go away, then the counselor will not come you see, Jesus came for a very specific purpose, and when he left, the Spirit was sent out, and He would convict the world about sin, righteousness, and judgment. I remember I was part of the, the same church that I was telling about that Pastor Nate and I were a part of, and I had been on staff for about six or seven years, and we had just our lead pastor had resigned, and we didn 't have a lead pastor and a lot of our staff were also resigning. It was like, I felt like every month, another staff member was like, we're leaving. And then, so what happens when pastors leave, then people leave. I had, I was serving as the kids pastor at the time, and one of my key volunteers comes up to me at their serving, and they take a break, and they're like, hey, I just want to let you know, this is our last Sunday. I'm like, oh, what's going on? They're like, well... Just like everyone's leaving, so I think it's time for us to go. And I'm like, you're leaving because everyone else is leaving? Like, come on! And it was very frustrating and very hard. And so I thought, well, am I supposed to go? Am i I'm like, is God's plan and his work done with me here? Do I need to go somewhere else? And so... I started working on my resume, I was looking at what other jobs were out there, and we got to the month of January, and we had um, 6 a.m. prayer meetings, because how many of you know you can only pray effectively if it's 6 a.m. in the morning, right? (laughs) I had a four-month-old at the time, and so childcare does not open that early. And so here I am with my little stroller in this car seat. Thank God, my prayer was also keep my baby asleep during this prayer time. But I remember it was a very critical moment. I had my resume ready. There was a couple of other churches that had uh, kids pastor openings, and I was like, "Well, God, is this your will? I need you. I need you to speak, Lord." I need you to confirm if you want me to stay or you want me to go. And I'm just praying at this 6 a.m. prayer meeting. I was probably also partially falling asleep because it's 6 a.m. and I have a four-month-old at home. And I remember praying and at the end of the The morning, I had really asked God to just make it super clear. Have you ever been there before? You're like, God, I'm not that great at being like hearing your voice. So I need you to idiot-proof your plan because otherwise I'm going to miss it. (laughs) And at the end of the prayer meeting, a lady came up to me and she said something to the effect of, I, I wish I could remember exactly what it was, but it was something to the effect of, God's got a vision for here at this church, and I don't want you to miss it. And it was in that moment, what she said, I was like, okay, God, I guess I'm staying. Like I buried my resume, I stopped looking at jobs, and I said, God, I'm just gonna stay planted here because even though everyone else is leaving, you're call, you've idiot proofed it enough, you've called me to stay. So I'm gonna stay, I'm gonna stay in the midst. And about a month and a half later, our new pastor came in. And that pastor gave me my first opportunity to preach on a Sunday. That pastor promoted me from the kids pastor to the family life pastor and from the family life pastor to the executive pastor. And I got to see incredible leadership opportunities that I didn't have under the previous leadership. And so, God, imagine if I had missed that. Imagine if I had not even asked God. I just did what everyone else was doing. And yet God spoke to me and I obeyed, even though it was hard. Those six weeks until that lead pastor came were still very hard because I still had volunteers. Our volunteer numbers were low, so I was serving way more in the kids' classroom than outside the kids' classroom. But God spoke to me. The Holy Spirit wants to counsel us. The Holy Spirit wants to counsel and guide you as we make decisions. The better way is always God's way. Because I would rather be in God's plan than anywhere else. If I am unhappy but I'm in God's plan, I'm still in a good place. And if I'm happy and on God's plan, thank the Lord that it's a good season and I'm in God's plan. God's plan, the Holy Spirit through his small voice. And you may be saying, like, how do I even hear the Holy Spirit? There's a couple of ways that I've seen in my life and that we see in the scriptures. First, we'll see there's these still small voices, like a whisper. It talks about the whisper or an angel. I've never actually had an angel appear to me. That's not been my experience. If you have, I would love to talk to you about your personal experience. But also, the still small voice. Another way that God speaks to us is through confirming it through others. We may have a thought in our mind, like I wonder if that's God's will, and someone we may share this with someone, and that person may either confirm it or they may say, like You are you've lost your mind. That is not God's will. And I will tell you a third way that we confirm that it's the voice of the Holy Spirit is it's in His Word. The Holy Spirit will never tell you anything that contradicts the word of God. That's not the Holy Spirit. That's pizza from the night before (laughs) or something else. The Holy Spirit will never contradict the word of God. Have you ever read, like in your devotional time, you've read a passage and something new jumps out to you like, I never thought of that before. That's the Holy Spirit speaking things to you. Sometimes when we get up here to preach, afterward you'll tell us, man, I really felt this or I really thought this. That's the Holy Spirit talking to you as the pastor is preaching. That's the Holy Spirit working and counseling us. We talked a couple of weeks last week about all the missionaries we support. And for some of us, that feels so unattainable to think that these people leave the comforts of America and willingly subject themselves to poverty, to depending completely on offerings of people like you and I. And they go to these crazy areas. They raise their children. I've seen people, this one couple I met, they have four young boys. And they went to Turkey where it's barely legal to be a Christian depending on the neighborhood you're in. And I think you subjected yourself to that. Only through their confidence that God spoke to them do they do such things. In the late 1800s, there was a woman named Lillian. I was reading actually an article about her this week. And she, in about 1910, 1910, she's in her, I think, early 20s at the time. She was at her church service, and she just was like open to being used by God. She was engaged to a pastor, so she's like, that's going to be God's will. And then a speaker who was a missionary in India came to the service and spoke. And in that service, she felt that small voice start to speak to her about going and being a missionary. So she went to her fiancé, the pastor, and said... I'm sensing that God wants me to go, and I'm thinking it's Africa. God's laid Africa on my heart to go to. And the, hus- the fiancé that uh, did not really felt that same calling and was like, but if you want, we can hold off on the wedding for a year so you can go to Africa. And she still wrestled with it. Then a speaker from Egypt, which is in Africa, got connected with her, and she heard about the work of ministry that he was doing there, and they tried to help her. Now, remember, this is 1910. This woman doesn't even have the right to vote, and she's sensing a call to uproot her life and go to Africa. So what do they, first they don't know what to do with her. They're like, what do you mean you want to go to Africa? It's 1910. You have no money and no plan, and at this point, no husband to go with you. And so you know what they tell her to do? This is what they say. And this is, this. is sometimes this works. I'll just say, sometimes it works. They say, well, just open your Bible and see what it says. No joke. Flip it, you know, draw a hat. We'll see what the Bible says. She opens it to the book of Acts. And wouldn't you know, in the book of Acts, the verse that she landed on talked about God going to Egypt. So, She ended her engagement because she knew she wasn't coming back 10 days before the wedding, and she went to Egypt. She spent 50 years in Egypt, and she ran an orphanage there. And in the 50 years, do you think it was easy? No. I am sure it was incredibly difficult. She talks about how there would be days where she would only have one meal a day. She lived completely on the support of people from back home that would send her months. She left there. She went there with $100 in her pocket as a single female missionary in 1910 to Egypt. And yet God worked for her, worked through her. In the 50 years that she was there, did you know that she reached 10,000 orphans through her ministry? I mean, and I, but imagine if she had missed it. If she had missed, in spite of her circumstances, she had missed what God had called her to do. You see, when you are in the will of God, there is no better place to be. Even if that's in Egypt. Even if that's in some place you never thought you would be. The will of God is always the best place to be. Besides counseling us, the Holy Spirit also convicts us. Convicts us. Look at this in verse 8. When he comes, he will convict the world about sin. And not just the world, but the world in us as well. Righteousness and judgment. He convicts us about our sin. My husband and I had been married a couple of years. And we had just bought, I mean we had scraped everything together to buy a condo. And I think we furnished the condo with either stuff that had been given to us secondhand because they didn't want that couch that they'd had for 20 years anymore, or we had bought it on sale somewhere. It was not a very well furnished, but we had just, it's like we had just gotten started, right? We'd been married a couple of years, got our first condo, and I remember we got a tax refund check, and I'm like, woohoo, we can do more to this house. This is the largest check I have ever received at one time in my life. And the Holy Spirit convicted me. Are you going to tithe on that? I'm like, well. So I kind of did this game in my mind. Like, well, I had already tithed on my income. And so the government, really, this is just money from the government. This isn't my income. And the Holy Spirit said to me, everything that you get is a gift from me. And I realized that I was trying to play a game of how to not give as much money as maybe I should and I was convicted everything that I own everything that I have is from God and the minute that I think that I earned this I deserve this this is mine to do with I want no 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 God convicted me. And I continue to have to go back to that. That it's not about what I do. It's not my money. It's not my retirement. It's not my, my, my. No. It is God's. And I am entrusted And I wish I could say, they say to give with a cheerful heart. I wish I could say I wrote that check with a cheerful heart. I did not write with a cheerful heart. I really badly, that was the largest single check I had ever written. I was like 24. Okay, there you go, God. Obedient. I'm in obedience to you, but I'm not going to be happy about it. Anyone else? Just me. Okay, sorry. Um, (laughs) And wouldn't you know, two weeks later, we get something I had never even heard of, which is a escrow Um, refund disbursement for double the amount of the check I had just written. And you know what God showed me in that moment was you cannot outgive me. And God's been continuing to work on me ever since. But because I trusted him and obeyed the Holy Spirit in that moment, God showed up for me when it would have been so easy to spend that money on a lot of good things. Things that were needed and necessary. God convicted me. Do any of you, have you uh, struggled with sin this week at all? Raise your hand. If you're not raising your hand, your sin is lying. (laughs) You see, the Holy Spirit's job to convict us is for our benefit. God doesn't want to convict you to punish you or make you feel bad. That is not what God wants to do. And if you feel bad, can I say, that's not God. God doesn't want you to feel bad. He wants you to look more like him. And he wants you to be more like him because he wants the best for you. God's conviction is meant to purify us of our sin. And protect us from our sin. God's protection over us is when we can live a life fully committed to him. Looking as much like him as possible. And can I say, the rest of our life is going to be shedding off sin. Shedding off our own issues and looking like him. We will never arrive this side of heaven. And if you think you've arrived, your sin is pride. Because you are never going to arrive on this side of heaven we have to continually allow the Holy Spirit to convict us because if he cannot convict you he cannot change you and every day God wants to change you because of what he wants to do through you it's meant to be a good thing God's conviction so when you hear the word conviction can you maybe read I can you maybe rethink of not Conviction as like condemned. God doesn't want to condemn you. He wants to convict you because He loves you. It's like when a friend lovingly calls you out, they're calling you out because they love you and they want you, they want better for you than sometimes you want for yourself. Let God want better for you than you want for yourself. So the Holy Spirit counsels us and convicts us and the Holy Spirit guides us like a compass. Like a compass, God wants to guide you. Look at this, verse 13. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. It's gonna guide you as you read his word. The truth will jump off the page to you. The truth of what he's saying. Now, that doesn't mean we don't lean in and read commentaries and grow, but God's Spirit wants to guide you into the truth and he wants to guide and direct your life. When my husband and I, Eric, we made the decision, or we were contemplating the decision to move here to San Diego just over three years ago. How many of you know we were praying, saying, God, we want to know if this is your will? Will you guide us? We sought godly counsel from those that were not part of the decision. How do we know that this is God's plan? How do we know? And we followed his peace into that plan. You don't ever want to make a decision outside of the guidance of God and the Holy Spirit. Um, Any of you play any instruments or sing? Raise your hand. Instruments. Yes. Awesome. Awesome. Now, some of you may have been born with the skill of perfect pitch. It's a very rare thing to be born with. Most people develop the ability to hear notes perfectly through lots of practice and listening and skill. You see, as you become more and more accustomed to hearing the notes, you can discern what the note it is. Like perfect pitch basically means if I were to sing a note, you would be able to name what that note is. That would be like perfect pitch. And you'd be able to tell me if I was flat or sharp because I'm probably one or the other, not on pitch. (laughs) That is perfect pitch. The more we lean into hearing God's voice, it's just like learning perfect pitch, we, we strain to get accustomed to hearing his voice. And then we're like, is that the voice of God? And then we ask a couple people, is that the voice of God? Did I hear God right? And they may confirm, yes, yes. They may be like, no, that you're, that's not it. That's not the voice of God. But it's learning to tune into God's voice. It is a skill that has to be developed. And I can tell you personally, it's, it takes time Remember, I was raised in a church that we didn't talk about the Holy Spirit. I remember I went to college and I took a class that talked. It was called charismatic chaos, which basically meant churches that use the Holy Spirit were in chaos, chaos. Like that's what my understanding all the way up until I was 22. I thought the Holy Spirit meant chaos and it was not structured or ordered. And I was raised order, structure. My dad was an engineer. It's like the Holy Spirit does not make sense to me. I want logical. I like math. I like science. I don't want to know this chaos. But the voice, as I started to lean in and learn, God opened up my eyes to seeing and hearing his voice and his will. But why? Why do we even need it? I'm glad you asked. I asked. <laughs> the Holy Spirit continues the power and the ministry of Jesus in us. Now for some of you, you're like, you just heard that or whatever. No, no, no. no. Let me say that again. The ministry of Jesus, our Savior, is to be continued in you. God wants you to continue his ministry. Do you believe that Jesus wants to work through you? And if you don't, let me just say, he does. He wants to work and continue his ministry through you. You know, these final speeches that Jesus was talking to, it's not lost on me that the disciples, um, if I were Jesus, I might not have left this plan to this group of disciples. Um, There was a bunch of fishermen uneducated fishermen Uh, there was like one doctor there was an anarchist we don't even know what some of the other ones did that is who jesus left the ministry to not to like i i would have probably picked like some entrepreneurs some um, business professionals some communicators and orators i would not have picked fishermen if i were jesus it's a good thing i'm not jesus But Jesus picked every one of you to continue his ministry. He didn't leave it to the rabbis. He didn't leave it to the people who knew the Old Testament forwards and backwards and upside down. He left it to people, normal people, to continue his work. And that's all of us. You see, the Holy Spirit's work is for in your workplace, in your home, in your community, in your neighborhood— in the world. God wants to use you wherever you find yourself to continue his ministry. Look at this. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. If you believe in Jesus, then you will do the works that he has been doing, and they will do, this is the one that shocks me, even greater things than these. Are you to tell me That each one of us, this ragtag group of people, are going to do greater things than Jesus the Messiah. That's, if you're not humbled by that, that's humbling. Are you telling me you you might want to use me to heal people? Are you telling me what are the works of Jesus? You might want to use me to confront someone? Are you telling me you want to use me to unlock scripture for someone else? Are you telling me you want to use me to go into someone else's house that no other Christian would go into because you've called me? God has called all of us to continue the work of Jesus in our communities and in our lives. We talked about it last week because it's not just for here. We will receive power When the Holy Spirit comes. Why? So that we can be witnesses in Jerusalem. That's here in San Diego. Diego. It's a new way to say it. San Diego. (laughs) And in all Judea. That would be the greater. Like Southern California. And Samaria. That's like our neighbor. That'd be like Northern California. Los Angeles. Might as well be another state. Right? And to the ends of the earth. God has given us his Holy Spirit to continue the ministry, not just here and in your life and for you. He's given it to you so that you can do something with it, with your neighbor, with your friend, with your family. God has given you that. The Holy Spirit's job is to give us the power to do these things. About a month ago, I was at a retreat and I had spoken in the morning session and then the evening session I was in charge of closing out the evening service and you know there's something about going away to the mountains where you're not really distracted like cell phone service isn't great and you just get to just sit in God's presence be around other believers and really start to grow and allow God to speak to you it was at the end of the service I I I felt like we should invite people forward to be prayed over. And so we did that. We invited people to come to the front and just be prayed over. And as I was praying for people, I was walking. I wasn't actually like standing, give me your prayer request. Let me pray for you. I just invited them and we, I just went and I put my hand on different shoulders and I was praying for them. And as I was standing there praying, I, the whole time I'm like, God, I've seen this happen before. God, give me specific prayers for people. Let me pray for people. So I'd pray for them and I prayed for them, but I had never actually had any of them share with me a prayer request. And then I saw right down center this young girl. She looked like she was maybe 17, 18 years old. And so I was like, I think I should just go ask her. And so I walked up and I tapped her on the shoulder and I said, Is there something specific I can pray with you about? And with tears in her eyes, she looks up and she goes, so I'm like, okay, all right. So I like backed up. I'm like, okay, God, I must have really missed you. Whatever. Okay, that's fine. And so other people, I prayed for some other people. A couple other people came up and prayed for me. And about 10 minutes later, she walks up to me as I was just standing there worshiping. And she says, there was something I wanted you to pray with me about. She's like, I know God is calling me to be a pastor, my parents are pastors and I know how hard it is to be a pastor and I don't want that for my life but I know God's called me so would you pray for me? I said, I would love to pray for you and I prayed for her right in that moment. I gave her my phone number. I said, I'll be encouraging you. No, the path to becoming a pastor is not easy. Being a pastor is not easy and she knows full well being the child of a pastor it is not easy easy. And yet that night she allowed God to speak to her and be open to her. But think about if I had missed that opportunity. If I had been like, well, she doesn't want prayer. I'm just going to leave this prayer service. Or if I hadn't listened to God's nudge to go and ask her. God wants to speak to us, but if we're not doing anything with God's, what, what God's already told us, he's not going to keep speaking to us. He's going to go speak to someone else. And wouldn't you hate to miss out on an opportunity for God to use you in a way you never thought he would use you? There's nothing special about me. Can I just say that? There's nothing special about me. I have just learned to listen to God's voice and do something about it. Let me give you a little clue. If there's someone that you know that has a need and you say the words, someone should do something about that. Oftentimes, that's the Holy Spirit speaking to you to do something about that. And what would happen if you started doing that? Man, someone should talk to that person about Jesus because Lord knows they need Jesus. Maybe God's speaking to you to talk to that person about Jesus or to live out your faith or tell what God's done in your life. You know, someone needs to, that's you or I've seen this before too, where God will lay someone on my mind. Like they'll just pop up in my mind and I could either do nothing with it. Oftentimes I've learned now when someone pops up in my mind, I'll just send them a text message or if I don't have their cell phone, I'll send them a Facebook message. Say, hey, to try to like take it less creepy, I'll say, I was thinking about you and praying for you. Just want to let you know. And if God gives me a verse, I'll share a verse. What if we lean into that more? And I, there's been some times where I haven't gotten like, oh my goodness, this was exactly the right time and the right thing. But I have seen more often than not, people have been so grateful. I'm like, I was just praying to God, asking for God to give me. Don't you want to be on the other end of that and say, God, you used me in something powerful I never thought I'd be able to be used for. God wants to use all of us. So I want to ask you, Are you open to the Holy Spirit? And if your answer right now is, I don't know, or only if God will use me in this way, can I say that's not openness. (laughs) Would you just say today, God, there may have been ways you've moved in the past. I may not feel totally comfortable with this, but I'm just going to be open to whatever it is that you have for me to do. And I'm going to start to tune my ear to your voice. Let me, Lord, be open to your counsel, to your conviction, to your guidance as I seek to follow after you and impact those around me. Let's pray. Lord, we know that everything that you want to do through us can only be accomplished through the power of the Holy Spirit. It is not us. Even as I pray these words and say what I'm saying, it is not Pastor Joanne. It's not Joanne. Lord, it's your voice going before us. And we want to lean in these next couple weeks to sense your presence and spirit in a greater way than we've ever experienced before. Let us shed off any idea that we have of what the Holy Spirit is and how it works and lean in with you to become sensitive to your voice and your prompting, and your guidance, and your conviction, Lord. Purify us. Protect us from ourselves. Protect us from the sin of this world. Let us be led by you. And Jesus, anyone here that is feeling far from you, they can say, I can't go near because I've messed up in my life God doesn't want to talk to me. That is a lie. Jesus wants to draw closer to you now than ever before. Would you lean in? Because God's already there. And he says, I see you. I love you. And all you have to do is turn and face him today. And through the power of his spirit, he will cleanse you and purify you and make you a new creation so that you can go out and change the world through the power and continuing ministry of Jesus. Lord, we give this time to you. Humbly, we accept the task to continue your work here on earth. In Jesus' name, amen.